Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this 20th Sunday after Pentecost and about the most perfect autumn day that you could ask for. Uh, Before we begin our worship this morning, uh, just a quick reminder that newsletter articles are due today. So if you have anything to share in the newsletter, make sure that that gets to Rose so we can get it in there this week. I also want to ask you to keep the family of Wendelshick in your prayers uh, this morning, as you may have heard that Wendell passed from this life into the next uh, last week. And so please keep his family in your prayers as, as they grieve. Are there other prayer requests or other announcements that we have for the congregation? Yeah, Casey. So my And so now I'm here. They were healthy. They were six pounds a piece. They didn't have to be in the NICU or anything. They were fine. So um, I'm going to go down next weekend to see them. But there are two boys and a girl. It's Theo James Lauber, Hudson Dean Lauber, and uh, Clementine May Lauber. So maybe if someone has some earplugs, I can borrow for next weekend. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing. And, and praise God that everybody's healthy and, and doing well. All right, if there's nothing else then, I'll invite you to take a moment to prepare for worship as we listen to the prelude. and I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We are sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By the blood we have done, and by the blood we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for us and for his sake forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord 
for the peace from above and for our salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to God's people on earth. Holy God, our righteous judge, daily your mercy surprises us with everlasting forgiveness. Strengthen our hope in you and grant that all the peoples of the earth may find their glory in you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. A reading from Jeremiah. Although our iniquities testify against us, Act, O Lord, for your name's sake. Our apostasies indeed are many, and we have sinned against you. O hope of Israel, its Savior in time of trouble. Why should you be like a stranger in the land, like a traveler turning aside for the night? Why should you be like someone confused, like a mighty warrior who cannot give help? Yet you, O Lord, are in the midst of us, and we are called by your name. Do not forsake us. Thus says the Lord concerning this people, truly they have loved to wander. They have not restrained their feet, therefore the Lord does not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. Have you completely rejected Judah? Does your heart loathe Zion? Why have you struck us down so there is no healing for us? We look for peace, but find no good. For a time of healing, but there is terror instead. We acknowledge our wickedness, O Lord, the iniquity of our ancestors, for we have sinned against you. 
Do not spurn us for your name's sake. Do not dishonor your glorious throne. Remember and do not break your covenant with us. Can any idols of the nations bring rain? Or can the heavens give showers? Is it not you, O Lord our God? We set our hope on you, for it is you who do all this. The word of the Lord. We will now read Psalm 84, responsibly. How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts. My soul has desire and longing for the words of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest, where she may lay her young by the side of your elders, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. Those who go through loss and valley will find a place of strength, for the early rains have covered it with pools of water. They will climb from height to height, and the God of gods will be seen in Zion. A reading from 2 Timothy. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them, but the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, 
This man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated, children, I invite you to come forward. All right, so I think you know, but I'll quiz you anyway. What happens here in Lafayette on Thursday, Thursday night? Trick-or-treating, that's right. Uh, Trick-or-treating to celebrate Halloween. Uh, and again, I know the answer, but, but the congregation doesn't, so... Could you tell us, what are you going to be for trick-or-treating? What are you going to dress up as? Clementine's going to be a princess. And Magdalene's going to be Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Uh, and you guys, on Thursday night, do you really become a princess? Do you really become a mermaid? No. You just pretend, right? You dress up and pretend. Because that's what trick-or-treating is all about, right? Just dressing up, pretending, and then because you dress up and pretend, people give you candy, right? Do I got the basics of it? Yeah? Okay. Uh, I was thinking about our gospel reading this morning and thinking about trick-or-treat and pretending to be something you're not. Okay, so our story that Jesus tells us is that there are two people, two men, who go into the temple, who go to the church, and they pray. And one of the men, one of the men, a Pharisee, stands before God, and he lists off all of the good things that he does. He says, Lord, I give money to the church, I behave perfectly, I'm always good, I'm glad I'm not like other people, they're all bad, I'm good, thank you God that I'm good, not like them. But then there's another man who's a tax collector, a tax collector was known as someone who did a lot of bad things in Jesus' day. And the tax collector stands before God and says, God, just have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. Just be kind to me. And I was thinking the tax collector does not pretend to be something that he's not. Right? He doesn't have to go before God and say, Oh God, well, I try really hard to do good things. Oh God, I am really good. No, he just lays it out and he's honest with God and, God and he says, God, I'm a sinner and I need you to be kind to me. And that's a reminder to us of how God wants us to come before him, how God wants us to relate to him. God doesn't want us to pretend to be something we're not. Right? We don't have to go to church and pretend to be perfect people, pretend to have it all together. We don't have to pretend that we're never bad uh, because God wants to give us his kindness freely. It's a gift. He just wants to pour it out and just give it to us. Right? God doesn't say, I'm going to be good to you only when you're good. God says, I always want to be good to you. And so it's a reminder for us that we don't have to pretend to be anything before God. We just be ourselves and we just receive God's kindness. Let's pray. Lord, help us to always remember that you want to be gracious and merciful to us. And help us, Lord, to be open to receiving your kindness. Amen.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sometimes I worry about this parable, and preaching and teaching this parable in church, because I think there's a great spiritual danger when we read the parable of the Pharisee and a tax collector. I think our sinful nature is going to fight against what Jesus is saying here to us. What we are going to try to do is to make this parable into a work in which we must do the certain thing to be saved. And here's what I mean. We will read this parable and we know right away that the Pharisee is the bad guy and the tax collector is the good guy. That's Jesus' point as we see it. One will be humbled and the other will be exalted. So we read this and think, well, we want to be exalted. That's the reward. And so we begin to create a rule for ourselves or a law for ourselves. We think, well, we have to get more humble. We think, oh, we better sit in the back pew and keep our eyes down and just pray for God's mercy. In other words, we think we want to get on Jesus' good side. And so, well, we must act like the tax collector. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous because it turns us into a Pharisee. And I know that's confusing, but if we turn this parable into a law about what we have to do to earn God's grace, then we just become like a Pharisee. Jesus' point is not that you can earn God's grace by working to become more humble. He's not saying that turning your eyes away from heaven and beating your breast is your ticket to heaven. And if we think that we just need to act like the tax collector to be a true Christian, then we set ourselves up to be just another Pharisee. We give ourselves another thing to do in order to earn God's grace. Now, of course, the Pharisee is the negative example in the parable. His heart is what Jesus is holding up as that negative example because he's the one who's trusting in himself. And that's clear in the parable. The Pharisee is putting his trust in all of his goodness. And so here we need to clarify, because what the Pharisee does is not actually bad. In fact, as a pastor, I want a whole congregation that acts like this Pharisee, right? He gives 10% of his income to the church. He doesn't cheat anyone. He's faithful in his marriage. He does all the right things, all the things he's supposed to do, and that's great. We want everyone to be like this. But Jesus doesn't criticize the Pharisee because the Pharisee gives to church or because he's faithful in his marriage or because he's generous. Jesus criticized the Pharisee in the parable because the Pharisee believes that these are the things that make him righteous before God. Although the Pharisee's heart clearly has problems, he doesn't love his neighbor as himself, he looks with contempt at others, and he believes he's free of sin. And he believes he's free of sin because, well, look how pious he is. And that's problematic. Martin Luther, in his most Martin Luther way, says that this kind of reasoning is the devil's prostitute. Luther argues that if we reason out that we can follow God's law on our own, then we begin to deceive ourselves. Like the Pharisee, if we say, God, I did this good work. I volunteered at church this time. I come to church most Sundays. I give to the offering. I read my Bible. I'm basically a good person, so I'm doing okay. I'm not trashy like these other people. I don't sin as much as that one guy I know. 
then we're falling prey to the devil. Because the devil wants to shift our attention from what God does for us to what we think we can do for ourselves. We come to believe that we are the way to salvation. And if we believe that we are the way to salvation, then we turn away from Christ. Because our true confession is that Christ is the one who saves us. And so the view that we must save ourselves is a view that leads to nothing but self-doubt and dread. Because deep down, we'll always carry that burden of trying to save ourselves. Did I do enough to earn my salvation? Am I good enough? Am I generous enough? And Jesus' point is not that the tax collector shows us a certain way to behave. He's not telling us to go exploit people for gain. He's not telling us to become a sinner for the sake of becoming a sinner. He's telling us that our justification, our salvation, comes only through what God does for us in Jesus Christ. This is what the tax collector shows us and that the Pharisee misses. The Pharisee believes that his only hope in life is being the best version of himself. The Pharisee believes that as long as he tries hard, then he'll be saved. The tax collector, however, knows his only hope is God's mercy. He knows he is bound and captive to sin and that he cannot free himself. And all he can do is cry out to God. The tax collector knows that he is like a swimmer drowning in the ocean. He doesn't need God to stand on the beach and instruct him on how to swim back to the shore because he knows he'll be drowned before that will ever work. He knows he's all but dead in the water. And so the tax collector knows he needs God to come out to the water and rescue him. And that's what the tax collector does. He puts all of his trust in the Lord to save him. The spiritual danger of this parable comes when we turn the tax collector's example into a law for ourselves. When we think, oh, if I just pray like this, then I'll be saved. If I just act more humbly, then surely God will be kinder to me. But then the focus turns entirely back on what we're doing rather than what God does for us. That's spiritually dangerous. When you make your faith about what you do, and you begin to tread a treacherous path. As the Pharisee shows us, you will never do enough. You can do all the good works in the world, but it will not change your heart. You cannot change your sinful heart. There's no piety, there's no practice that's going to cure you of your sin problem because your sin problem is deeply ingrained into your heart. And that's what the tax collector gets. He knows he cannot fix himself. He can only put his trust into God to save him. That's the true faith. Next Sunday, of course, we'll celebrate Reformation Sunday. And at the heart of the Reformation was this teaching. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved only by what God does for us. We don't contribute to our salvation. It's all God. It's all what God has done for us through his son. It's all because of what Jesus Christ has done. He has lived perfectly for us. He has become the perfect atonement for all of our sins. And now God gives us all that Christ has. We don't do anything. We receive it all as gift. In our parable, Jesus doesn't tell us that the tax collector leaves the temple 
and becomes a holy person. Remember, in Jesus' day, tax collectors were not good people. They were more like mafia members. They were more like organized crime. They would collect taxes on behalf of the Roman Empire, and then they would add a certain percentage to put into their own pockets. They were cheaters. But here, Jesus doesn't say that the tax collector leaves and fixes his life and repays everyone that he has cheated. Maybe he did, but he doesn't say that. Nor does he say that the tax collector begins to give to the church. Maybe he begins to tithe to the temple. Maybe, but Jesus doesn't say that either. Jesus says the tax collector trusted in the mercy of God, and he left justified. He left as one who has been declared righteous because of what God has done for him. And so knowing that our salvation is completely 100% the work of God, we become free to love our neighbor and not to look at others with contempt. That's the behavior and the attitude Christ is addressing in the parable. The Pharisees look at others with contempt. For them, the only people that should be included into God's people are the ones who act in a certain way that they consider religious and righteous. They don't love their neighbors because they don't see that they have the same spiritual needs as their neighbors. The Pharisees believe that they are better because they act better. They follow the law better. But at the heart of Jesus' parable is the truth that we're all sinners. We all need God's mercy. You're not better because you go to church. You're not better because you give generously. You're not better because you have a stable job, a nice family, because you're well-educated, because you do all of the right things to be a good citizen. You're as much of a sinner as anyone, and you cannot save yourself. You are completely dependent on God. But that truth will free you to love your neighbor, because it's a realization that together we're all in the same predicament. We're all sinners who need Christ. And understanding this allows me to see my neighbor with love, wanting good for them, not so that they change their behavior to act like me, but so that they can have the joy of having salvation in Christ. I want my neighbor, too, to have the freedom of forgiveness. And this comes from a heart that cries out to the Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And a heart that turns everything over to God is a heart that is free and no longer needs to keep a checklist of all the good things it does. It's a heart that doesn't have to worry about impressing others. It's a heart that doesn't carry the burden of trying to change the world so that everyone else will become good. It's simply a heart that can rest, rest in the knowledge that God does it all for us. We can live in such a way that we enjoy our forgiveness. And this ought to give us comfort and assurance. And for Lutherans, this is so central to what we believe and confess. As Lutherans, we make so center to our practice baptism and Holy Communion because these are concrete assurances that God has forgiven us, that we don't do anything to earn this forgiveness. But it's all God. It's all God forgiving us. He gives us baptism and he gives us communion so that we might have the comfort of knowing he, in fact, has forgiven us. Christ has accomplished salvation for us. 
And Christ promises to have mercy on us. Us, the worst of all sinners, Christ promises to have mercy on us. Amen. Together, let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty Father, we come to you at the gracious invitation of your Son. May we receive your gifts as little children and grant us humility to pray, be merciful to us sinners. Lord, in your mercy. Be merciful to your church here and in every place. Defend our pastors from arrogance and pride and strengthen them in the faithful preaching of your word that both your holy law and your precious gospel would be proclaimed and that we, your children, would be united in saving faith. Lord, in your mercy. As your son welcomed little children, give us a deep care for the children entrusted to us. And still in parents a desire to bring their children to Christ, use our Sunday school, our Bible classes, our VBS and confirmation class to preserve them and their faith. Teach each of us in humility to receive your kingdom humbly. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, you do not delight in wickedness or let the boastful stand before you. Give the leaders of the nations, especially Joseph, our president, Richard Michael, our governor, our Congress, our, and our judges, wisdom to govern in accordance with your will. Give them mindful, keep them mindful of the stewardship that they hold on behalf of others, that they may, may fulfill their duties. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy, we praise you that you deliver our souls from death and our feet from falling. Care for those who are near death, preserve them from despair and give them a confident hope in the resurrection. Come to the aid of everyone in any kind of need, including Steve, Owen, Tom, Wanda, Tana, Phil, Ray, Marilyn, Marcia, Nancy, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Alan, and all of those who grieve the loss of Wendell. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, if we trust in ourselves for righteousness, we are lost. Yet you draw us mercifully to yourself in repentance and hear the cries of those who trust in you. Grant us humility that we may not exalt ourselves or treat our brothers and sisters with contempt. Rescue us from every evil and bring us into your kingdom. To you alone be all glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Peace, serve the Lord.